Здравствуйте, comrades. We are all Russian now. Yep, we are completely all Russian. All of us. This is a full Russian podcast. Yep, we are Russian. Uh, we are as Russian as Russia is. Na- we are as Soviet as Russia is now, as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 100 years ago, 200 years ago. We're as Soviet <laughs> as the Tsars. Um, completely Russian all day, every day. As Russian as the Soviet Union's Georgian leader or its two Ukrainian ones. <laughs> because that's what we are. Well, because we were conquered last week, so because we of were. Jeremy Corbyn's intransigence and weakness, um, we were conquered by Russia and now we're all gangster capitalists yeah, well, we live uh, in, we live and, in, and also communists. Um, people outside of London probably don't know this, um, but the Russians did come in straight into Islington. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Because of his weakness, they came through the canal tunnel. What are you talking about, Hugh? They were already there. The <laughs> yeah. Czechs let them in. I saw that thing on the New European. Jeremy Corbyn took off his British face and it repli- replaced it with his Soviet face, which was exactly <laughs> the same. Um, yeah, the Soviets were yeah. here already. They tore off their clothes and um, now we're all Soviets. Yep. Uh, they've fir- taken over Wolfenstein. First person on the... I wish. <laughs> first, first person, Chris Bryant from uh, the Ronda, Little Moscow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, he was the first to fall. <laughs> oh god! I fucking hope. Like, come the revolution, he will be one of the first to fall. Everyone, who's, every single person who's in the Henry Jackson Society needs to go on trial. God, that was depressing this week. Actually, that's a side thing. Like the, reminder, the way that they the were that, the, that certain things that actually, do you know what? I genuinely had stopped thinking about the Henry Jackson Society for like a decade. Yeah, and it's like, oh shit, yeah. I remember them. What was their what was their main reason for existing again? Oh, that's right, encouraging Megadeth. <laughs> yeah, and that's a horrible thing to do to encourage Megadeth, the thing or the band. <laughs> they bust bands to get you. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was them coming on to was it BBC and there was like here's a thingy from the Henry Jackson Society. It's like what? Yeah. No, no, no. You don't get to just introduce no. this far right think tank. No, it's. Insane. How? Why is Chris Bryant allowed to be in the Henry Jackson Society and the Labour Party? I mean, wasn't Tony Blair? Well, yeah, or, but you know, there's a lot of reasons why is Tony. Yeah, but I mean, just generally, why is Tony why Blair? Is, yeah, why is it still allowed? Like those kind of things. Like, um, you like think people have been kicked out of the Labour Party for being associated with things like class war. And to be fair, class war kind of cranks. The Greens. Yeah, exactly. Actually, that's a retweeting the green. Yeah. Retweeting the Greens. Yeah, was apparently the way somebody got chucked out of the Labour Party. Hmm. Hmm. It's I. It's a weird one. Yeah. But um. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the Soviets are here. Um, the Soviet gangster capitalist Russian czarists. Um, communists. Communists. Um, yeah. They're in Wolfhamstow. Um, they've taken over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh shit. So yeah, I was walking the dog yesterday mm-hmm. and I saw a new housing development that's going up in Wolfenstow. There's just on the other side of the railway bridge at the bottom of the high street. Yeah. There was a big bit that was an old, like, some, just some office buildings and an old mm-hmm. brewery building, I think. Mm-hmm. But now it's a big block of flats that they're building there mm-hmm. and it's called like, um, Nevsky it's, Oblast. It's called something <laughs> brewery and it's all kind of cutesy and there's like drawings of fixie bikes on it. Gorky oh. Prospect Housing Development. What I'm saying is I hope this, I hope zombie Soviets come here and just tear it down. <laughs> well, obviously, referring we're referring this week to the only story. Yeah. So much Russia that we ha- aren't even doing an intro. It's episode yeah. 48. We're not even doing is the rest of the intro. Or is it 49? This is 48. 
Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we did a little bit last week, and we thought like, oh well, it will blow over. That'll be that'll be it. Yeah, like, we made light of it. We find <laughs> it we find it difficult to kind of really get into like f- like foreign policy stuff too much. Yeah. Except where it affects like domestic policy, just because there's loads of stuff we don't know. Yeah. But then, like people. this week, well, oh fuck it, we'll just do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sure, I was sure it was going to blow because Liv and Yenko did. Mm. There's been loads of them who dropped off who just did. Or well, I thought it, I thought it would be like the Czech spy thing. It would be yeah. like, oh well, we've done it. And actually, today I think it did almost drop off because yeah. of two things: Cambridge Analytica and um, the Battle of the Thames. Oh yeah, that's so uh, Reese Mogg dumps a load of fish in the Thames he didn't uh, Reece Mogg didn't did he not Reese Mogg was not allowed on the boat because TfL told them that they hadn't got the right permits for them to park up at that particular stop so he just walked off sad why don't you go and unify Ireland about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah hard borders work I'm just saying I'm a, I'm a border guy now <laughs> hard border guy but yeah, so, so yeah, Russia. The continuing fallout of uh, the Skripal poisoning. Because obviously the poisoning was the initial signal yeah. to the sleeping army of Soviets who mm-hmm. sleep in the North Sea. Yeah. Um, like, like King Arthur. Um, well, I was thinking like the Nazis in the Illuminati trilogy. Um, <laughs> and now they'll start walking towards us and you know they'll conquer Scotland. They pretty much have already. The SNP is pretty communist. Um, <laughs> but also <laughs> way too capitalist. Fucking horrible. Everything is everything is what we've learned from this week. Yeah, there's um yeah, everything is true. <laughs> everything is true, nothing is permitted. <laughs> yes. That is that's that's the current climate of Britain. So we had um I think after last week we had uh, Boris Johnson and Theresa May giving their fucking midnight deadline to Russia to yeah. explain themselves. Which, which I didn't realise. Do you know what you're supposed to do? Well give them ten days. Hmm. That's literally in like the treaties and stuff. That when that kind of thing happens, you have to ask for ten days. <laughs> I think specifically so everyone can get their ducks in a row, so war doesn't happen. Probably. Ah, uh, who cares about that? <laughs> yeah, but um, but so they didn't meet the deadline. So then Theresa May kicked out um, uh, what twenty three people. Oh, she kicked out twenty three diplomats. The Russians, definitely spies. The definitely Russians, spies. I mean, like they probably are because maybe? virtually every diplomat is kind of a spy. Yeah, it's like. Because um, what else is the fucking point of a diplomat? Like, what do you? Do? No, come on now. Like, she's been a very strong leader this week. Um, you know, she she gave them the midnight deadline. She is threatening the World Cup. She uh, she's been very strong. And when those two things didn't work, yeah. Uh, by didn't work, I mean you would have to have like an outlined like end to this. Mm. If something is not going to work, you judge it by how well it was successful. Yeah. In which case, like, I don't know what they want to achieve. Do they just want Russia to come back crying? I think they do. You know, like a, like a, a husband whose wife has left him. Mm. And it's like, you'll come crawling back. Yeah, I think... Like that kind of thing? Yeah, I think... I think they want Vladimir Putin to say, I'm sorry. And I could just... I could see Putin saying sorry, like Father Jack. You know, the, I'm so sorry. It would just be another step in his diabolical game. His diabolical ninth dimensional chess game. <laughs> it's, it's impossible to understand because what he Because he's wants. impossible to understand because whatever he does benefits Putin. <laughs> it's, he yeah. shit all over the Kremlin floor during a press conference. Ah, <laughs> oh, that canny old Russian. It's the KGB training, you know. <laughs> oh God, that thing pissed me off. The Oh, Perhaps the poisoning runs in the family. Oh yeah, because like well, they're His saying like grandpa. Putin's grandfather was Stalin's chef, and he was he tried to poison Trotsky or something like that. Maybe yeah. 
God. Maybe I don't understand Damn. enough about Russian biology. <laughs> Seeing as it seems that it's incredibly different to the rest of us. Well, they don't have any culture. They don't have any civilization. They have a cold soul, mm. always looking around, calculating. But, unfortunately, due to their drunkenness, <laughs> unable. So they, do, they know everything, but are unable to affect anything. They're like the Watcher from Marvel. Unless... Like a, like a nation of Cassandras. Unless they find themselves at odds with the state. And then they are incredibly trustworthy. <laughs> and they're definitely not mental. They're definitely not going to come out with something like, I don't know, it was the Jews. To be fair, all of them in the moment. Like, Russian politics, like, on both sides, they look very much it was probably the Jews. Everyone's got taken away with this idea that, like, it was Putin's direct order. Like, that was the mm. narrative yeah. that was trying to be framed, which is why it's weird that, like, Theresa May clearly has no exit strategy from this. No. It's just designed to kind of sharpen resentments at home you know yeah. she really took it into overdrive when expelling the dim- the diplomats and uh, the midnight deadline and threatening to withdraw from the world cup didn't work she went into overdrive and did two photo ops one of her giving a fist bump and the other of her with a baby yeah like the most popeye cartoon like image of a politician you could possibly imagine i think she probably did have thing like in her head the Falklands type thing of you know drum ups. You know, like um, Newsnight did a really good thing actually. They were talking yeah. about how um, the reason why Putin would poison someone here mm. is to like prove that he's strong, to encourage people to vote for him, mm. and to you know bolster flagging polls or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is literally what Theresa May is doing. I. I... And I think yeah. she had Falk- the Falklands in her head when she did it. But the problem is, Russia, the Russian Federation, is not Argentina. <laughs> and that's not to besmirch the military prowess of Argentina, but it ain't Russia. <laughs> like, what are you going to do? There's no possible way that her endgame was to declare war. No. Like, there's, there's, no, there's no way. No, but she can't, you can't even... Can't even even threaten. Mm. Well, you can threaten, and they can ignore it. Yeah, it's it's that kind. It's it's that level of country. Yeah, if and you're going to put countries into tiers and sanctions, it's pretty really top tier. Yeah, and sanctions aren't really going to work, especially with us leaving the EU because we'll need to trade with someone, um, <laughs> even if they are Russia. Um, I'm just saying, you know, offer maybe you know uh, sh- uh, uh, Russia was asking for the sample of um, yeah. Novichok. Uh, the nerve agent that was used, yeah. and um, they refused to give it. Maybe they should give it like a like a carpet sample. They go door to door selling our chemical weapons prowess, like we do in the Middle East. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, it is a bit rich in talking about chemical weapons and all that kind of shit. When the, you know the first load of chemical weapons being fired in Syria were made by us. Um, you know, it's like, oh, this is disgusting. I thought they'd stop their chemical weapons program. I thought we were the only ones with a chemical weapons program. <laughs> Because it was like at one point it was pretty much just us in America. Um, yeah, it was us, America, and um, Germany had a big chemical industry. Although I don't think there were a lot of chemical weapons used in the Second World War, mm. which is kind of a, a weird like it's one of those weird like absences. I don't yeah. think there's a great deal of chemical weapons used. Huh. Um, in the First World War, yes, but not in the Second World War. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's a, it, the, um, I did see a Russian bloke on the TV pointing out quite rightly. Um, how are they supposed to trust the evidence? Hmm. Because it's like, for example, if someone gets stabbed, hmm. you don't trust the victim's family to take the evidence, hmm. prepare the evidence, 
analyze the evidence and then tell you what they found because of said evidence. Yeah. Um, and but like aside from anything, like the idea of presenting these two these two opposing sides, it's like what is Britain going to get out of Russia and what's Russia going to do to avoid Britain's condemning it? And it's like. You keep going on about how Russia is a basket case. It's why you start. we started the episode with Russia is everything, because whatever you... I'm not even talking about what Russia actually is, which in, increasingly I don't... I think you can make basic assumptions, like it's run kind of like an oligarchical, feudal, um, federal modern state, yeah. where... Putin appoints kind of cronies, oligarchs, um, like, yeah, sure, Russian mobsters, hmm. that kind of thing to positions of power. Within that, like, everyone talks about, like, Putin, 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 and maybe Medvedev, because they're the only two who they can name. Um, the Russian state's really, really chaotic. It's filled with a load of hangers-on, a load of civil servants, like I say, a load of oligarchs, cronies, hmm. those kind of people, um, jostling for position, as in, like, any authoritarian state. Yeah jostling for position underneath a clique of like the people at the top the most the most like powerful public facing people how do you know that it wasn't one of those it, it kind of tends towards the fact that maybe it was an underling trying to impress putin yeah. maybe it was an intelligence service like somebody buried deep somewhere in the intelligence services who decided that this person should die mm. and didn't care about it like the idea that you're dealing with two unitary states mm is kind of undermined by the fact that everybody keeps telling you what well, how how like crazy Russia's political system well, is. Well, those weird things that show you like that the West view of Russia is really terribly misinformed. Yeah. Is that I don't think Putin does anything to dispel that either because oh, it, no. it does make it easier oh, yeah. to, to do whatever it is he's doing which seems to be maintain himself as a strong victim. Well, uh, yeah, like a, uh, he he definitely has that eastern eastern the thing that a lot of political systems in eastern Europe have had since especially since the financial crisis which is yeah, like victimhood and kind of uh recalling older narratives of mm. of somehow the nation being undermined by like traitorous insiders and aggressive yeah. outsiders and yeah definitely but like i can think of another state quite close to home yeah. that's been engaging in quite a bit of that recently well, I was say, look, the i the way that the state that the russian state is portrayed mm. is like when we did history yeah gcse I distinctly remember the like propaganda about Russia when it was under the Tsar being mm. a kind of octopus-like figure controlling everything. Yeah, and then when Stalin was in charge, the octopus instead of looking like the Tsar looked like Stalin. Yeah, and now you have it, and it looks like Putin. Mm. It's because it never matters what the actual insides of Russia is like mm. for the West's opinion of it. The, Obviously, they. I think they hated it significantly more when it was communist, because mm. then there was also a genuine threat. Whereas at the moment, it's not really a genuine threat to Western ideals and hegemony. It's, it's, a, um, it's a, occasionally it's, it's a nice influx of cash. It's an. It's an. A, it's within the global um, economy, as. And within the same global hegemony, it's a competitor as much as one uh, corporation is a competitor with yeah. another. Yeah. So, I mean, you could compare it with talking about like like they've tried this this kind of tack over the last few years of like almost 
trying to find a substitute for the Cold War mm. because the Cold War it was very it was very simple to motivate people mm. uh, to motivate your populaces to give them a sense of meaning under the Cold War because you could point to something and say not that mm. um, and like the neo the neo Cold War is a very it's a really peculiarly like two thousand and tens kind of thing yeah. so it's like very much rooted in like this nostalgia of a very like a powerful Russia with things everywhere, but it's belied by the actual facts that Russia isn't that powerful. No. It's military isn't that powerful. Like if you, the thing is, if you put it on, if you put it down to like military prowess, of course, like Russia has a lot more tanks and a lot more, obviously a lot more nukes. Mm. But like the whole point is that global conflicts never happen like that. They no. never happen on, on a nice an even, on, an, on a nice even plane. No. You know, um, the, it feels like they spent the kind of 2001 to 2010 kind of projecting like Islamist movements as the great, yeah. as Western capitalism's great kind of world historical foe. Yeah. But I think they end up, especially with ISIS and, and the distances, and especially after the West kind of got so badly burnt mm. by going into Iraq, not as badly burnt as the Iraqis, but mm. so like their fingers burnt mm. by Iraq all those Islamist movements ended up with the kind of like um, relegated to the status of bandits. Yeah. So they're the ones outside the walls kind of like... To be fair, they are kind of bandits. To to a large extent. I think there's like um, uh, Eric Hosbaum does a lot on um, mm. like the social role of banditry. Mm. Um, but they definitely, I think, in people's consciousness because of, I think, I suppose because ISIS got defeated and mm. ISIS's state... Even though it was something that like the hardcore neocons like had wet dreams about, oh, they God. desperately want a fucking a proper state yeah. to invade and bomb the shit out yeah. of. I could hear the hum at night coming from Westminster hotels. Yeah, you can you can see it. And like I thought it was thought it was weird with that actually. A slight side note, but do you remember that really early like uh, I think it was Daily Express or the Sun when they did a, a cutout of um, Osama bin Laden's like oh that was base that was um thingy. Or was Rumsfeld, it the New York Times? It was Rumsfeld or Thingy. It was um, one of, it was one of the oh, American no. he, neocon. Yeah, he said actually, you think of them just hanging around in caves, yeah, but, but actually they're very sophisticated operations. Their caves communications, are super cool. communications, munitions. Yeah. It's like the ultimate ultimate man cave. Yeah, you know? well, they, it looked like um, the cross section. They got fucking PlayStation down there. Fucking hundred meg internet connection. Do you ever like um, Mask the cartoon? Mm. Um, it looked like the kind of uh, mountain base. For like mask yeah. or um, Cobra Commandos or something <laughs> like that, it was that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's stupid. Appealed to a generation raised entirely on eighties nostalgia and toy commercials. Yeah, I'm pretty um, certain that there's a couple of older gentlemen I know who I imagine probably think about that moment at mm. the moment that, that that picture at the moment at Twimax. Yeah, but the point was that yeah, they like, definitely do. That's what they projected that mm. because that's what mm. they wanted it to be because that's what they, they wanted want- it they, that's what they wanted it to be for them yeah. not because it was a problem to be overcome it's because that's what they believed forged the best kind of human yeah. that kind of conflict and when they got the Islamic State mm. it was like they're minting do you remember it was they're minting their own currency yeah, so they're great. a state they're a proper state they've got cities they've got uniformed soldiers they've got tanks they've got everything that finally means, we've got an enemy that's got bunkers so we could use these bunker busters yeah um, it really like really the, is the reason why these, um, the Israelis made the Makava tank because mm. they don't need a Makava it's not suitable for their uses which are no. mainly citizen oppression yeah 
Um, but yeah, like, Civil- civilian in, in reality, repression. in the modern age, tanks are useless. Um, there's a they were good, useful for a very short period. There's a of really time. good argument to be made that like the heyday of the tank was literally like 1918 to 1945. Yeah, because um, um, you, you need to be faster. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. But um, yeah, so you, yeah, I understand what you mean. Mm. They, you know, they projected this idea of the Islamist state and how great it is yeah. that we could actually fight it was like ah, that doesn't finally. just keep on moving like cowards yeah. that has a capital city that we can bomb because what we need the West needs we need to get behind setting fire to Dresden again mm. but this time it to be you know yeah. Muslimic that um, was the idea and when they don't have that big like when it's obvious to anybody that Islamism is not a is not a world threatening um, event it's not an epoch mm. no matter what the clash of civilizations people say yeah. They need to find another one, so they look around for kind of the easiest one. North Korea, so isolated that it can't even it can it can barely put up a, a fight. Also, on an ideological plane, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's too weird. It's too out there. Yeah, it's like liking boredoms. <laughs> you know what I mean? No one likes boredoms. They like appreciate them. They don't like them. You like how much this, how much pain it's putting you through. Um. Yeah, it's, it's like, I think North Korea is way more likely to actually play ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also you got that helpful thing as well, that, um, what's it, that cathedral in Russia that they always, in Moscow, that they always use for the... Oh, the Cathedral of St. Peter and St. Paul. Yeah. Um, looks kind of Muslim-y. So, you know, you've got a lot of those already yeah. cultural touchstones ready for people to, like, get really angry, to just easily transfer to, like... um. When introducing a new food to the puppy, mm. I have to gradually introduce the new food in a yeah. very careful way so as not to make him ill and shit himself or, for the populace, to reject this notion entirely. So what you do is you, you ease them in. You say, look at their priests. They wear silly hats, kind mm. of like the Muslims. And they're like, oh. And then you tell them later that they're Christians. Um, <laughs> but yeah. They, I'm, sure, I'm sure that's what's I think doing. like there's you can definitely... You can definitely tell the kind of uh, the direction they're going in. Actually, to speak. Sorry, you saying about priests made me think about it. Actually, like in science fiction, right? Yeah. Um, in like very poppy things like Doctor Who mm. and things like that. Like the um, the the people of the planet where Doctor Who's from. Mm. What are they called? Uh, the other Time Lords. Gallifrey. Yeah, that's they're the from, one. They're whenever they're, they're Gallifrey. Yeah. Whenever Lords. whenever they're dressed up. Um, they're always dressed up in this huge, like ornate costumes. Yeah, they and you do. think about um, what's it called? Philip Pullman. Um, dark materials. Uh, yeah, dark materials. Mm. The priests in that religion always dressed up in like big kind oh, of really like ornate costumes. Ornate in itself yeah. is like uh, kind of like signalling because it's Western capitalism against the Catholic Church. It's Protestant yeah. capitalism against the Catholic Church. Yeah. It's against ornate things. It's got a certain like Protestant work ethic kind of like. Yeah anti-papist kind of thing to yeah, it. Yeah, it's that the pride with which a high church Protestant church will be so great. Yeah, yeah. So so, so plain, ornate, but also useful. Yeah. We're useful. And there's definitely kind of a... There's been a kind of propaganda thing to go on about, like, exactly how rich all of those, like, Russian oligarchs are. It's like, they're vulgar rich. They have, like, yeah. tigers in their personal well, it, compounds. Well, it goes back to that new money thing. That Like, that's such a... British figures like mm. oh, new money, mm. um, and like James O'Brien was talking about, like he was talk, like he was talking about one of his many friends who's incredibly wealthy, mm. and like this, and who said that every time they meet Russians, they're always like, they always laugh these Russians whenever they talk, whenever a British aristo talks to them because they know that they're always asking for money. Mm. Um, 
There's just such a sneering attitude towards... Yeah, there is that... that but also a of... kind of, like, envy. Yeah. There's an envy about a lot of that when they're... And I think that kind of complicates the, like, clash of civilizations, clash of countries mm. narrative. Because, mm. let's face it, Russia is an unequal um, place that... Where its elections increasingly don't matter because you have a hardcore class of very, very rich people yeah. who um, have held power for a, a long, long time and aren't going to surrender it to something as like petty as democratic elections. Mm. They have a labyrinthine civil service that only seem, that seems to pluck through, and media that seems to pluck through nepotism. Mm. Um, oppositional voices are ridiculed and slowly excluded. Um, any idea of, of kind of change is countered with a kind of like traditionalist narrative. Mm. As we said before, there's the there are traitors within, there are aggressive enemies without, and the only thing you can cling to is a single idea of nationalism embodied within a particular I class. <laughs> yes, damn it, you got to where I was going. <laughs> Sorry, it's completely our fucking our dark mirror. It's why it doesn't work. Yeah, because you go. It, and you could see like um, some of the stuff that they were shouting out about uh, Corbyn, mm. and it's like, oh, he, Russia's one of the worst capitalist powers on the planet, and Jeremy Corbyn says he's a socialist. How can he support? Yeah, I mean, the notion of him supporting them is like, yeah, well, wrong. Yeah, but he's... also like the the this kind of matching up with what they think Jeremy Corbyn believes, which yeah. they're wrong about. And what they think Russia is, which they're right about, but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Which is literally their system. Yeah. You know, it's it's just weird. Um, like, you've seen... Um, I was thinking about this as well. Like, you've seen the Americans, right? Yeah. Is that, is that... That's part of this, isn't it? Like, that kind of pivoting towards finding a more traditional kind of nostalgic enemy? Um, actually, no. No? The Americans. Do you is, think it's the anti-nostalgia the Ameri- where it changes um, the okay, narrative I've, of that? I've I stopped watching. I haven't seen the most recent series, but but the Americans is it's it's very. Well, maybe I'm watching it wrong, but it's very much that the Russians are the, the good guys mm. and America are the bad guys. Um, yeah, that's the very much the impression I got. That, you know, both both states are incredibly flawed, mm. but the people who are fighting for um, Russia. are fighting for the Soviets are doing it from an idealistic position hmm. um, whereas the Americans are doing it for money hmm. and a lot of the time just reactionary racism hmm. um, so yeah it's, it kind of it kind of paint, it paints the USSR and the KGB in a very nice light hmm. um, well the KGB less so when they start talking about um, recruiting their kids hmm. then it's a bit different and then it's like you know Nanny state. Jeremy, <laughs> you nanny state, the USSR. Archi- the archetypal nanny state who didn't get the memo about being a modern <laughs> liberal country. But yeah, um, no, the Americans is quite... I'm thinking mainly of like things like McMafia and um, uh, Homeland, which Homeland started pivoting towards a Russian storyline rather than a, <sighs> a Islamic storyline. Homeland has been unbelievably shit for an incredibly long mm, time. Mm. It has gone deep down the 24 hole. Oh boy. Um, and it's like a lot of that American stuff. There's mm. A lot of that stuff, is, of course, is tub thumping, pointing out enemies, making you like angry at them, making these weird, weirdly 
over-the-top caricatures of villains that never possibly exist, contrived situations that have never existed in the modern world, um, except in the minds of the Henry Jackson Society, <laughs> and then putting it on TV. Yeah. Um, so I'd say, that, yeah, that Homeland more so yeah. than the prestige television that the Americans do, which is very really good. <laughs> it's just all kind of... It feels half-assed, because as we said last week, we've been through this cycle now. I mean, Afghanistan, Iraq, Libya, Syria, um, there's probably been a few more um, kind of less severe calls to war. Did you see the um, Owen Jones losing his temper on Sky News? No, I didn't. It was very good, because Mm. that jumper boy is very good when he's angry. Um, I do like Owen Jones. Uh, I like Owen Jones. At worst, he's that... um, the kind of bad benchmark of how left you can go. Yeah. Um, at his best, he's like he's a nice angry lefty who isn't yeah. super pro war like Paul Mason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was pointing out like you know Jeremy Corbyn's been right about all of them. Well, if you th- if you put it on paper as well, I want to like to move to Corbyn's response because God knows that's what most of the media coverage has been about. Yeah. Um, his compared to Theresa May's kind of like muted doing all the really obvious, like, right things as far as, like, a gammon would be concerned. But Jeremy Corbyn's... Yeah, but, like, there's no there's no actual kind of structure around yeah. it. It's it's trying to build up a vague feeling that of, like, nationalism and patriot... Like, patriotism that's so, like, wafer-thin yeah. that it's like she's not even trying. But imp- all the impotence. fucking media were reporting about, oh, this is really the week where she comes out so strong, she appears so strong. Yeah. And it's like... What are you watching? Yeah, it's are you we watching the same thing? Impotent screaming and stamping, which yeah. appeals to. But not even screaming or stamping that loud. No, no. she hasn't been. Well, she she hasn't heard too loud because otherwise they'll hear. <laughs> she hasn't. Um, she hasn't like coined any big phrases. Mister no. Putin, tear down this nerve agent. <laughs> like she hasn't tear done down it. these nerve agent producing factories that was probably really yeah. but, but um, Corbyn's response like yeah. is way stronger to the point and I hate to make this comparison right but you know how Blair tried to sound really really convincing by before Iraq by mm. talking about taking it to the UN and wanting mm. this structured international approach Pretending he was, doing I mean, everything he was lying yeah. he was completely <laughs> fucking lying yeah but yeah he did it because he felt that that's what the middle class people who would be writing newspaper columns about him mm. would say. Mm. J- Jeremy Corbyn's done exactly that. Yeah. He said, this needs to be handled by international law. Mm. We need to talk to the OCPW, who for some reason, um, they're the international chemical weapons mm. like dismantlers, basically, yeah. um, who are the ones who um, reported that Assad used chemical weapons in the Syrian civil war. Mm for which they were to be believed and was a reason for war. Mm. Um, But for the other reason that uh, they reported in 2013 that Putin had dismantled, like Russia had dismantled most of its, uh, almost all, like 99% of its chemical weapons facilities. Mm. But they are not to be believed or to be ignored on that. It's really odd. Liberals got a liberal. But they've gone very, very far right. I mean, I don't, there's no, like there's no... They, <laughs> they always do, and they love war. Or actually, no, they love the notion of war. They really do. Because um, once it gets going, but that's not part of ramps... the liberal. But that's not part of the liberal tradition. The liberal, no, I, I honestly believe yeah. this. The classical liberal tradition. If you're talking about the milk toast, like sensible, um, like even sensible in quote marks, yeah. liberal. 
has an automatic fear of war because it's the abandon of rationalism and sense, and it's not being sensible. Okay. Whatever warmongering they take, they take directly from the right. Hmm. And it's enveloped them and penetrated them to such a degree that they are, they're pretty much like completely compatible. Yeah. And the kind of, it, the, the kind of average, like if I was like a, a churning liberal columnist, hmm. you put out something like, uh, uh, this chemical attack, we need to show Putin he can't act with impunity. What? What do you mean the EU said congratulations on winning your election? <laughs> do you know what I mean? They're, yeah. And they're kind of reacting with such um, such traditional kind of like attacking the Russian character and attacking Russia as a civilization, yeah. as much as attacking a political system, which yeah. there's plenty to attack, but they get it wrong. They yeah. get it they they misjudge it so much and both kind of belittle putin as like this this stunted like animalistic aggressive creature but yeah. at the same time this mastermind ninth dimensional chess player it's really weird um yeah they do do that well the thing i said about the the loving war mm. or the build up to war it is that there are so many of them that really love world war 1 poetry hmm they love that shit so bad they they do they they love the idea of um there's a lot of there's a lot in the media and i think it's, you could say the lib, the like liberals in the media mm. but i in general i'd consider most the vast majority of them re- really to be right wing mm. um who do think that there's something noble about fighting for the country mm. like i imagine giles Corrin. Do you think it's like it's kind of like the, I suppose thinking about it is like kind of like the inverse of um, the fascist notion that like conflict and war makes you brings humanity to its highest ebb. Yeah, you know a, it, it brings it to its highest thing, and like lib, like the the kind of liberal commentator that's doing this stuff now rejoices in the tragic nobility. Yeah, that is displayed. It's it is it's similar, but it's kind of like an inverse. Yeah, it's um to it's a conservative what, notion of war. It's why they love Poppy Day. And mm. um, that and Royal Wharton Bassett, that shit, they love that crap. You know where the where the coffins came. I from. think I feel like they 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 probably love Poppy Day because they get to um, kind of wax lyrical about the tragedy of the noble, like I say, the noble tragedy of mm. war. But I don't know if Wharton Bassett. I th- I think if you're if they're not getting into like conservative talking points, is there a discreet like liberal talking point about like Iraq and like the I suppose there's the best intentions. We went into Iraq with the best intentions kind of thing of actually I was against the war, but now we're here, yeah. we might as well make the best liberal state we can. We might as well make a really comfortable bed. Yeah, mm. I guess so. Hmm. Uh, maybe. I think like a lot of their problem with Russia and going back to the fact that um they can only the only people they tend to single out are Putin and like I said, maybe maybe Medvedev. Mm. Their notion of politics is uh, an individualist one, mm. and it's a personalist one. Mm. So if they attack, um, if you're going to attack America as a liberal, you attack Donald Trump and you attack like the right wing billionaires yeah. uh, who are in charge of the media and all industry and you know mm. rule that whole own that whole country. You attack the individuals. Mm. You don't attack the structure because their structure is so similar to ours. And I think yeah. it's like that's why they're having such a problem with Russia because, and it's why they focus on Putin because mm. they're too used to attacking the man yeah. the, rather than attacking like the playing field. Yeah. You can't attack the structure of the Russian state without taking a long, hard look at not only 
um, how similar it is to ours. Yeah. But also the West complicity in making it like that. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's um, it's that retconning, like you see it in, um, when they do. When you see like the political cartoonist doing the drawing, it's like um, it's like Marx and Engels, mm. Lenin, Stalin, Putin. Yeah. Um, but they seem to forget a very important figure between the Soviet Union and modern Russia. Mao. <laughs> no, you can't. But yeah, they seem to have forgotten yeah. Yeltsin. Yeah. And where he came from, why he was put there. Yeah. Because he was put there. Yeah. And why Russia is the way it is. Well, what happened is Putin uh, came back. I think he was stationed in East Germany when he was a KGB agent. He came back. And he saw Yeltsin and he goes, ha ha ha, there's a man I can manipulate through his over-excessive drinking. <laughs> but it's, um, it's, yeah, it's a complete, not wanting to really address what we did there. Yeah. And what we've helped make. Mm. Um, there's also that thing of, and it's why they're like, they're attacking Corbyn and making out that it's like Soviet Union, which mm. is dumb as hell. Um, because they're not interested in, no. in structural analysis. Well, they're well, interested in personalities. Well, yeah, they, 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 they the problem is, um, Jeremy Corbyn, mm. I think, out of everyone in the House of Parliament, he is probably one of the few mm-hmm. who would genuinely like to see Russia significantly change. Yes. Yes. I don't That's think point. the vast majority of people there want it changed. Yeah. Because there's a lot of money that comes out our way. There's a lot of power and influence that, yeah. you know, is exchanged. Um then they don't care about the general suffering of the Russian people. Mm. I mean, no, it's like there's not even a single bit of pretending that any of this stuff is anything to do with the suffering of the Iraqi people type situation again. Yeah. Or like, oh, the poor Afghanis who are being brutalised by the Taliban yeah. every second of every day. There's not a single... I, I haven't seen a single mention of that. I've seen a lot of, well, Putin or, you know, just kills anyone he doesn't like. They do mention it because they try and be as... They try and cover... The, the, when they do do it, they're covering their bases. Mm. So it's like, well, of course, I don't mean the Russian people who yearn for freedom from Russia's brutal brutal henchmen. The only time I've heard a nuanced take on Russians is when the Conservatives talk about the good Russians that give them money. <laughs> and that's really fucked up when they put them into nice little boundaries of good Russian and bad Russian. And a good Russian donates heavily to the Tory party in a way that is perfectly fine. Don't look at it. <laughs> don't look at it. It's Whereas weird. the bad Russians are the ones that don't give money to the Tory party because that's the thing. It's like, well, what's, what's the difference? What's, seriously, what is the significant difference between oligarch A and oligarch B? Well, oligarch B doesn't, trust a, doesn't think that a British football team is a sound investment. <laughs> What a monster! If you're reducing it kind of down to how a like a liberal democratic state deals with conflict and deals with kind of domestic domestic dissent, yeah, um, it's and how liberal democracies and capitalist democracies have kind of waged war and identified their targets and gotten their populations to go along with it. Yeah. It's a weird thing that hasn't. I think it probably contributes to some of the confusion, which when like media people and politicians get confused they kind of uh, think the chaos is kind of engineered. Mm. So it's like the the fact that the whole non-linear warfare thing and mm. chaos agents thing comes about because the relationship between the West and Russia as far as, yeah, the good Russians giving thing. If, if it's, it's complicated and confusing. If 
you take it as a default way of how liberal democracies have and Western democracies have tried to wage war, it's weird that you have an opposition figure who's been consistently against every tyrannical regime in that country yeah. who is more of a traitor mm. for proposing strong international action as opposed to a prime minister who says a lot, but in t- her entire party is literally taking money from that party. Not just oligarchs, yeah. but like oligarchs aligned to that ruling party. And she has somehow not been able to be made out as a traitor. Mm. It's really weird and possibly, like I say, contributes to that air of confusion that a lot mm. of like pundits and, and politicians have. I've really liked the um, framing of Russia as an internet superpower as well. Mm. That's pretty great. For, like, we're online a lot. Yeah. They're not. Mm. <laughs> it's, the, it's, it's still that thing, it's um, that liberal figure. Like, you, have you, you've been called a bot by people, haven't you? Um, no. I don't think I have, actually. I, I don't tend to comment on below the line on, that much. On my, yeah, um, I, I haven't since I've got a Twitter account, which has got <laughs> my name all over it. But, yeah, I used to be a lot more talkative yeah. on a Twitter account that was more anonymous. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, being um, having personhood ripped from you by someone because you said that they're a dickhead is fun. Um, <laughs> it's f- um, But, yeah, they'll very quickly, you know, say you're a bot. And, like, the notion of the Russian bot is kind of a myth. Yeah. It's completely not true. There are pe- I'm sure there are people who sit there in a, in, um, a, a private company-owned office block aggressively tweeting and retweeting but it tend i I think i did see a couple of articles on the kind of like the chinese five liners i think they're called so it's like for under every kind of anti-regime article or blog there should be within five comments there should be a a comment supportive of the government and that's the kind of thing like the interesting thing is it's mostly targeted internally domestically the thing is i remember how long ago would it be um over it would have been over a decade ago um where um, North Koreans on the internet. Mm. Um, I don't see much of them now because I don't spend as much time reading about North Korea as I used to. Um, uh. <laughs> but um, there, there, there was a lot of very active North Koreans on the internet. And they were very mm. obvious. Yeah. Um, because it's all things like, no, everything's mm. great here. Yum, 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 nutrient clay. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> it's very delicious, actually. Um, we don't even like kimchi anymore. <laughs> I forgot um, how it tastes. <laughs> Is it terrible? I bet it's terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, the idea of like Russians controlling the internet is so stupid. And it's such a but nice because, thing. Because... But it plays to, the, it plays to the, Theresa May's fan base and her audience of gammon men who don't understand the internet. Oh, yeah. Who have the same password for everything, which is 1488. Um, <laughs> I mean, half the fucking tech columnists mm. in major magazines and newspapers don't understand the internet. Yeah, it's a, a confusing morass of a multiple opinions and people shouting over each other. It doesn't have like the calm perfection that they have in their printed column, yeah. where no one can respond to them. Yeah. So naturally, they view the internet as like I really hate that kind of. And we've said it plenty of times, but the whole thing of like, oh, the oh, the internet. Oh, don't go on there. Mm. You know, or oh, it's or oh, it's, it's so many confusing opinions, and it's like if you actually take that in in in, it's no different on its on its own, and it's like, are you confused by having that amount of information yeah. put before you? Are you unable to filter it somehow? Yeah, maybe we are just the, as the one of the first generations to grow up mm. using the internet from a young age. Maybe we have 
had that ability to filter out information and filter out like fake news or whatever it is like quicker than other people oh, like older fair. people but older I've people. seen Helen Lewis yeah. talk about oh, that oh she's an idiot and she's terrible oh yeah at um, it oh do you see her, a little side note how she's pivoted beautifully in the last couple of weeks in the last mm-hmm. couple of days even like mm-hmm. last week um, she deleted a load of her old tweets yeah. um, a load of really really like good ones like how much of a turf she is like a, like a lot of turfy mm. stuff um, a lot of stuff um, about how much she likes Jacob Rees-Mogg a lot of this stuff has all yeah. disappeared. And now she's rebranding as a sensible, normal person. But she wrote a column the other day comparing... Um, oh, what was she comparing? She was talking about trans, um, trans issues and um, the immigration thing. Oh, yeah, she that's was pretending right, yeah. That, she was pretending that there's been, there's been no debate. Um, and the reason why she is, she, um, she's obfuscating her past because, you know, one of the main things she's done to, for the trans debate is to elevate Sarah Ditton from shit games reviewer to shit turf. Um... <laughs> But yeah, um, was, yeah, internet things. Um, yeah, I think the reason why they don't understand the sheer amount of information coming at them, they find it hard to decide if a source is um, like reliable, whether you should carry on re- listening to this person or not, mm. is because it's not like Strangers Bar, yeah. where you can hear 20 voices at once and you know not to listen to George Galloway because he's wearing that fucking hat. <laughs> um, whereas, you know, that, it, the internet is, is more than that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they've never talked to more than like five people well they've never they've never been in a room where the important people were more than five people because they were the people who they had their dinner with exactly you know what i mean yeah um that actually kind of moves us on quite handily to um what's like what seems to have fucking dominated things kind of along with russia the cambridge analytica um stuff um the one of the private arms of the british state um yeah (laughs) And the American state. Yeah. Because Robert Mercer owns it. Yeah. Um, yeah, Cambridge Analytica, who... Yeah. You, you explain what Cambridge um, Analytica did. Cambridge Analytica have been like a data processing um, company. Meme machine. Um, well, they're, <laughs> not, they're not. They're not even that. They're, they're part of that new generation of internet company who's built up solely on um, sorting Lies. demographics, <laughs> impressions, and um, algorithms to get the right images and words in front of the right pair of eyes for their customer. Yeah. Mostly working in politics. Yeah, um, they're kind of a branch of SCL that's owned by Robert Mercer, who's a, a right-wing tech billionaire. Uh, well, he's a hedge fund investor, but he got started in tech. Um, who's very right-wing, supported Trump's campaign. Breitbart, and uh, yeah, was f- owner of Breitbart for a while. Yeah, I think he's actually divested his shares now. Yeah. Um, and although, um, although yeah, he did help with Trump's campaign, like directly, not just yeah. Wi-Fi his services. Yeah. But the main thing about Cambridge Analytica, which we will go on to more when we start talking mm. about Cambridge Analytica, is they weren't always supporting the Trump campaign. They supported Ted Cruz first. <laughs> and then they lost. But, yeah, we'll carry on. Sorry, carry on. Carry on telling us about Cambridge Give Sell me the um, pitch. Sell me about why Cambridge Analytica is so good and so powerful. Um, they're so good and so powerful because whenever I've gone on the Guardian website for the past six days, <laughs> I've had a huge spread at the top. Now, I remember a time when I would look at the Guardian's like, you know, their long investigative um, stuff. Like I would look at WikiLeaks or something like that. Mm. And it's like, oh, this is interesting. This is worthy of pouring through mm-hmm. all of their different articles and their opinions about something. I'm like, yeah, this is worth my time. This just increasingly felt like it, it wasn't worth my time because I was reading the testimony of these whistleblowers. Um, I was reading about what happened in a BBC Panorama programme about um, capturing 
their CEO on like hidden camera saying some pretty on Channel like, Four news on Channel Four. Sorry, uh, it's like saying some unsavory things and trying to work More out. A bit so like, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I was being understated, and I was like trying to get to the bottom of it. It's like so, so. What did they do? Okay, from what I gather. I understand they, they um, supposedly illegally hijacked 50 million well, no, his, Facebook profiles. They harvested data okay. in a way that they're not allowed to do right. because they're not the NSA mm-hmm. or MI5. Um, which, they're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. They did it. And then they campaigned for things that people who wrote The Guardian don't like. And well, okay, so they harvested all this data and they used it to quite accurately hijack your grandmother's um, Facebook feed to fill it full of um, look what's going on in Sweden stuff. Yeah. And look what's going on in the streets of Walthamstow. It's the kind of reason why um, my father in law thinks that Walthamstow is a no go zone. Um, even like though a Sharia law no go zone, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Even though, you know, we live here. Yeah. <laughs> I've been coming here for 10 years and I've never. That's not. I lived in Birmingham at the height of that uh, Trojan horse scandal, yeah. and it's like no. Yeah. I had to go to the job centre in Sparkbrook where this stuff was supposedly happening. And as it's like some, as someone who lived no. for ten years with a Muslim family to one side and a Muslim family above me, let me tell you, it has not affected me what I hope. <laughs> <laughs> they give me nice Christmas cards and chocolates. But like, I was looking. The first one was the. Uh, it was the whistleblower. Um, what's his name? Um, uh, Christopher Wiley, um, he was going to blow the whole thing wide open. Yeah, and it's like, oh my god, you can't believe it was a Carol Cadwallader, 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 um, who's done a, a couple of articles like this, like huge long reads about how Trump stole the election mm. and how Brexit was stole the election <laughs> and mm. like things like that. Um, this guy, Christopher Wiley, they do a kind of background of him. It really makes me laugh. Um, at 17, he was working at the office of the leader of the Canadian opposition. At 18, he went to learn all things data from Obama's national director of targeting, which he then introduced to Canada for the Liberal Party. I'm already bored. At 19, he taught himself to code. 2010, he came to London. Um, uh, and he came to London to study law to get out of like data analysis and stuff like that. Okay. Politics is like the mob, though, he says. You never really leave. I got a call from the Lib Dems. <laughs> is that like saying someone's sleeping with the fishes? <laughs> it's, an, it's an ancient summer. Where's Michael Dewar? You got a call from the Lib Dems. <laughs> it's an ancient Brighton message. <laughs> it means he's campaigning for the Greens. <laughs> Just get a carrot. <laughs> Just get a carrot wrapped in a pamphlet. <laughs> um, uh, he wanted to show why the Lib Dems sucked at winning elections when they used to run the country up to the end of the 19th century. And I began looking at consumer and demographic data to see what, what happened United... towards the end of the 19th century that might have destroyed the liberal notion of how the world works and how to make the people better. What could have possibly happened? Could it have been any kind of ideas that started to sweep sweep all across Europe? No, no. Data. Oh, I fucking love computer people. It did. I began looking at consumer and demographic data to see (laughs) what united Lib Dem voters, because apart from bits of Wales and the Shetlands, it's weird, disparate regions. And what I found, there were no strong correlations. (laughs) And he goes on, he goes into like talking about how like uh, he identified algorithmic personality personality traits and things like that. And he worked for... um, 
Cambridge Analytica in setting up their their data analysis unit, which would supposedly win elections by, as I said at the beginning of this, the thing other than the obvious, like, hijacking the data, yeah. which is a really weird subject because whenever I get Amazon, like, adverts for things that I've just looked for, you yeah. know your data's been harvested anyway. Yeah. Um, as far as I can work out, the way that they stole the election was putting a lot of adverts in front of people who would... who it already kind of... Well, were already on that track. Well, what, what was it? It radicalised them. Yeah, they did. But um, it's the thing that I had... And a lot of this is going to have to prefix it with... Um, these people are snake oil salesmen. Yeah. And they are constantly looking for the next route to fleece. Hmm. And that recording of that Channel 4 managed to get, they are selling. They hmm. are selling a thing. They don't talk about their failed stuff hmm. because that isn't going to get them the next election. Um, but one of the things was that they were saying was... From like about, I think it's like five. If from five likes on Facebook, mm. they'll know you better than someone you work with. Mm-hmm. From like fifteen, they'll know you better than a friend. And like once you've got to fifty likes, they can look at fifty things that you've liked on Facebook, and they can know you more intimately than your family do, to more better target you. Um, I think there is an element of truth to that, but I also think they're snake oil salesmen. <laughs> But, um, well, no, because there's no difference between um, your uh, exterior life and your interior life. Well, that's the, thing. that's the thing. There's no difference between the things you shop for and who you are as a person and well, what no, you value. But no, um, no, I bought no, a plunger no. the other day. I am a plumber. <laughs> no, but if you, if no, I looked if, at a lot of plungers, let me tell you. Yeah, but if you, more than five. But if you look at like the fact that you buy a plunger, yeah, um, you eat a lot of. Um, you eat a lot of red meat and you don't actually eat enough fibre, yeah. then suddenly a lot of things start to make sense about <laughs> you and your lifestyle. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? That, it's that kind of thing. But the, where it becomes iffy, and it's like me and you and most of the people, I imagine all the people who listen to this actually, hmm. we know what's happening with where we click things. Yeah. We know why Amazon was asking me if I wanted to look at Hessian sacks, zip ties and a re- retractive bolt pistol. I know, I know why he was doing that. Um, Abattoir worker, natural <laughs> conservative. Um, but your like your sixty year old father, yeah, doesn't. Mm. Um, and what would happen is it would start off with the respectable racism of Nigel Farage, yeah, and very quickly then move to the slightly dodgier racism of. Um, Anne-Marie Waters, mm-hmm. to then... I would to, say significantly dodgy. <laughs> pretty much the same. Um, but then to, like, Paul Golding, and then you've got to, like, look at people being yeah, raped yeah. in the streets of Sweden. Um, and it was just, like, it was it, it was accelerating it. So whereas a person would, might have, before all these ads started to come at them, mm. vote for, say, someone who's on the Republican ticket, but not as far to the right as Trump... Yeah. Now they're fully radicalised and fully encouraged to do it. Mm. Um, it's why you hear it all the time on LBC, people who will argue obvious lies mm. that they have had bombarding them on Facebook mm. that they have accepted and taken on taken on board. Mm. Um, where it's not that as big an issue as they're making out mm. is that's literally what a conservative pamphlet is. Mm. Um, but oh, the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's what the press is. It's what all of it is. It's just amped up. Yeah. Um, there are significantly more data points than buying the sun once a day. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's the, equi- it's the, 
It's the right-wing radicalising computer equivalent of the multiple small triangles of glass on the ceiling mm. of Westfield as opposed to the long sheets of glass mm. in old-fashioned shops to constantly make you the, hyperactive. The way I always think about it, I can, like being online and like shopping online, Yeah. when I want to buy a new pair of boots... I look at a lot of pair of boots. Mm-hmm. I look at a lot of pair of boots. I really want to see it. And when I buy one and find one I want, I buy it and that's it. But for weeks afterwards, I will get them advertising more boots to me. Yeah. Because naturally, you're a boot person. You want more boots. Yeah. Clearly, all, you're all in the market all the time. for more boots. You love boots. Boots is who you are as a person. You bought boots for your first pair of legs, but what about your second, third and fourth pairs of legs? Yeah. <laughs> it seems... And it's, I suppose it's not so much what they were doing, which seems like a natural evolution of um, like data management and mm. the internet's effect upon society in general. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I was just looking at the response to this and the kind of way it's framed. It has been framed by The Guardian as the solution. Mm. It's the conspiracy. It's the one that you always knew was there. You know why? You are, I know why. I think it's worth explaining that... They are attack again, attacking personalities. You can't possibly have a bad decision made by this great mother of democracies, this mm. long history of democratic thing with a democratic system that you know could be perfected, but basically reflects the will of the people. No, 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 that can't possibly be the reason why people voted for Brexit, a thing we didn't want. No, their brains were hacked. Their brains were hacked. It, yeah. It's fucking so obvious mm. and so, so like, do, like dodging responsibility. The thing for that how that most was. angry, and the reason why it's getting all the coverage is, I am convinced that the reason it's getting all the coverage here is mm. because of Remainers. Um, that is the main reason they yeah. want. They want. They want the smoking gun. Yeah, and they're like, "This is it. This is it." It's definitely not at all to do with our unfair society mm. that we've been happily chugging along on yeah. for like for forever. Mm. Um, it's because of this. It's because of this thing and this evil company. Um, they're all getting very angry about this, and they're really like the talk about what's happening with people's data that you hear on the radio. It's insane. Like the they're talking about um, the unfair harvesting of data, the way I did when I first deleted my Facebook account, like nearly <laughs> ten years ago. When remember when I um, had about uh, like Holly and Lily had gone away for about a week and a half. Yeah, and I'd had about of like four days insomnia, mm-hmm. and I was, I was. Away with the fairies, mm. and I was right. I don't, like. <laughs> I, I, I think I was. It was a good thing for me to get rid of Facebook. But I, that was when I went sort of off grid for a number of years. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, they're talking about it like that. Whereas they didn't talk about it when you know they were harvesting our data to find illegal aliens and using it to find benefit cheats and all that kind of stuff. When they, they were talk- when they were talking about the importance of. Um, social media for like upping the Lib Dem vote do you know what I mean it's the same kind of thing and talked in these dark terms Mm. it's like talk about their politics in dark terms they're all doing it every mainstream party Mm. desires that precious information about the 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 magic voter yeah the 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 profile that fits your your political party the best Mm. they're all slaves to this weird cargo cult of um, the ideal voter. Mm. So, I it just really struck me that I had read it again and again. I was like, okay, where's the where's the big thing where they like um, tamper with the voting machines? Yeah. Or um, okay, maybe if you're talking about information warfare, block out something. Yeah. Block out something and keep it hidden. And it's like 
You don't even need to do that with a Cambridge no. Analytica. You have every mechanism you've ever needed to do that. You've had mm. it for 40 years. Mm. Yeah. Basically, um, it's, yeah, I am utterly convinced that it is the only reason anyone's talking about it is because of it's a desperate, and it, it's, a, it's a smoking gun. It's like you said, it's a smoking gun. And the people who are caring about it now, it's the same as the reason why I don't like a lot of fucking hardcore Remainers. They mm. suddenly care about immigration now. Where are they, compla- where are they caring about migrants who aren't from the EU before they weren't given a fucking toss. What really and in fucking? The same way, like where they look at them caring about data now. Where are you caring about data when it was being when it was being used by the government to find suspected Islamic terrorists mm. and things like that? Where they were looking at people, what people are buying and all that. Yeah, it's fuck off. Yeah, we can guarantee that so, this... you're not our friends. You're not gonna. You're... And it's just another nice little reminder that yeah. fucking dickhead liberal remainers will be the first ones to like like um thingy Luke Akers on that fucking thing where he's saying that that um you should have no truck with communists or anyone who describes themselves mm. as a communist. It's like a nice little reminder that, yeah, they'll throw us under the bus at the first sign of trouble. Yeah. 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 If we had a Pinochet, they'd be pushing me onto a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. They would. You know it's true. <laughs> Whereas if I'm in charge, are we pushing the helicopter <laughs> onto a helicopter? <laughs> You'd be pushing the like, helicopter like, out of a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to fly a helicopter. I don't like helicopters. <laughs> <Just> get heights. <laughs> To yeah. take him to his new home. <laughs> a bit the Rockall. new home is on Rockall, but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How dare you impugn that we were talking about pushing Luke Hayshurst in the sea. <laughs> no, That's terrible. From a great height onto a rock near the sea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of like matches up with... It's a, it's a unifying theory as well, isn't it? Because mm. it covers it covers Trump, it covers Russia, it covers Brexit, it covers all those things that they don't like but have not got the structural or intellectual tools mm. to actually properly mm. properly analyse. Mm. They can't work out why Corbyn's so popular. Yeah. They can't it's, work out why Putin is I think you said in the last episode of the episode before about liberals want to change the world but they don't understand it. Yeah, right. yeah. I think it's definitely true. Um, so to end this week, like this was what... I think before all the Russia stuff we were going to do this because this made me piss myself. Yeah. Um, progress. A lot of shit's talked about progress. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Like, yeah. A lot of shit's talked about progress. As right, a wrestling so. promotion, they might have seen their best days gone, um, that they haven't really gotten back on their feet since Jimmy Havoc stopped being champion, that maybe like, losing a load of them to WWE is, has made them suffer a bit. Like I, f- I think they felt it when Tommy End left. Well, like progress wrestling, <laughs> progress the think tank, has been undermined by its closeness to a gigantic right-wing warmongering figure. <laughs> yes. that, is that insider enough? Do you think people will get that? I don't, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> um, they published an article this week. Uh, they're the progressive columnist. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. This is like yeah. one of those... Because they, like, during the week, give people an insight into how we do this. Mm. You like We send each other... We we talk constantly, mm. don't we? we like, mm-hmm. Constantly, and like you'll send me stuff, and sometimes I'll read the headline, and I, don't, I won't bother reading it because I know it'll just make me angry. And what sad. you don't read <laughs> with a fine, you don't read through everything I send you. Not when it's titled How the, dare you. not when it's titled the progressive. <laughs> I definitely don't. I look at it and go, huh? Uh. I'm gonna send you Dianetics every single day <laughs> in full text. In full screen, screenshot, and I'm going to screenshot. It's the same way that you don't really look at all that New Japan fan art I sent you. <laughs> oh, I look at it every day. Um, so the, the, the progressive. progressive. Oh, 
Progress's in-house columnist. Published this article called um, Carve Quid Wis, which is oh, it's Latin, which so you is know that's definitely fine. Taking on the Daily Mail's tradition of alternate future histories. Oh, lovely! And this one is the story of how Jacob Rees-Mogg won the twenty twenty two election. Now, these are a nominally centre left um, organisation, a fear not even officially affiliated to the Labour Party, but kind they of are? aligned. They're not officially affiliated. I was told of this the other day. Oh. They are not officially affiliated. They're just deeply in there, ver- like a tick. Yes, buried, infecting the Labour Party with Lyme disease of warmongering. <laughs> yes. Um, Actually, the thing is, at the beginning, the Latin. Have you ever mm. read any, anyone who starts with like anything in Latin that isn't a massive knob? Uh, Julius Caesar. <laughs> One of forty k codices do not count. <laughs> I think you'll find that's High Gothic, <laughs> not Latin. You're right. High Gothic is fine. <laughs> um, so this article is about Jacob Rees-Mogg winning the 2022 general election. All writing is ultimately wish fulfillment. It projects something of the author in it, um, and I'll leave you to decide <laughs> what the author thinks of Britain, its people, and politics in general Okay. from this. They said it was impossible. Like Jeremy Corbyn becoming Labour leader, they said it would never happen. They said he was too extreme, like Margaret Thatcher. They said he lacked any experience, like Tony Blair or Donald Trump. He's more extreme than Margaret they said... <laughs> They said people like him never become Prime Minister because no one like him had ever become Prime Minister before. I think we've had, like, literally tens... I think ten, we've had... A significant number of, of um, Prime Ministers that were identical to him. They used to say, actually, the British Empire was the Thousand Year Reich. <laughs> I don't disagree. Um, they used the past as a guide to the future, and as usual, it proved a false prophet. <laughs> Progress talking about using the past as a guide to the future. Um, they, the soothsayers, oracles and pundits of modern politics, got it wrong again. As Jacob Rees-Mogg, the Honourable Member for North East Somerset, strode up Downing Street for the first time as Prime Minister, pausing for adorable photographs on the steps of number, steps of number 10 with his wife Helena and their six children, noted he doesn't name the six children because it completely undermines the notion of Jacob Rees-Mogg being an appealing Prime Minister. <laughs> yes. Or the surname of his wife. All I'm saying is, it was easier to see Leo Blair get bailed out for drink driving than it would be for Boniface. (laughs) Boniface caught on an illegal fox hunt. (laughs) In which he was also drunk. Yes. Well, they always are. Um, He could be forgiven a dash of smugness at defying his multiple critics. The idea that Jacob Rees-Mogg lacks smugness at any point in his career, life, or interior monologue. Yeah. Fucking hell. They called him a deadbeat dad, a toff, a fascist, a Nazi, and yet somehow, his Roman, despite his Roman Catholicism, his outdated image, his Thatcherite views, and most of all, his hardline nationalism, or perhaps because of them, he had won the 2022 general election. I can see a number <laughs> of British elections, like who you're voting for is decided entirely based on whether they're a Protestant or a Catholic. <laughs> He's going to sell us to Rome! <laughs> he must never be queen! So it, Despite his Roman Catholicism, his outdated image, his Thatcherite views, and most of all, his hardline nationalism. It's because they believe Uh, that these are all things that the British people love. Progress was set up to uh, support Tony Blair as Labour leader. Yeah. Just saying. Who, as I remember, is a secret Catholic. 
Not even a secret Catholic anymore. He was a secret Catholic. He was, yeah, no, you're right, yeah, yeah. Like the United States after Trump's victory, just under half of the United Kingdom was dumbfounded. It made no sense at all. It was like the referendum on British and Britain's membership of the European Union all over again. To be fair, going on um, on voter turnout, if just over half of the British population didn't want him, then it would be a landslide for mm-hmm. anyone but him. <laughs> <laughs> Who on earth had voted for him, said millions of Labour voters working in the public sector in cities and suburbs with decent pensions <laughs> in their own homes. These are your people! Swilling their coffee... Swilling their coffee along with their champagne. <laughs> Drinking their flat champagne. <coughs> flat coffee. Their flat white mixing champagne. State funded flat white champagne. <laughs> they call it the golden cappuccino. <laughs> we don't know anyone who voted for him, they told each other as they chatted in Waitrose or outside their local independent cinema. <laughs> mm-hmm. On Radio 4 comedy programmes... Mark Steele, Jeremy Hardy, and Sue Perkins had mocked his clothes, <laughs> accent, hair, and background. I've always seen Mark idea, Steele. Yeah. All those Radio 4 comedy programmes. Oh, they're getting a real whipping. <laughs> Did you hear him on the Radio 4 comedy programme last night? Yes, I never fucking miss it. Um, Nish Kumar and Rachel Paris had absolutely nailed it on the MASH report with a skit about his nanny. Oh which was then countermanded by a support from that guy who uh, you talked about last yeah, week. Yeah, um, oh, I forgot his name. The the conservative comedian. Mm. But also, do they think anyone watches the Mash Report? Because mm. I don't think anyone does. I think a lot of people watch the YouTube clips from the Mash Report. Do they? Because very importantly, they're two minutes long. There we go. <laughs> um, Guardian columnists called him Jacob Rees Mosley. And the memes, so many funny memes, with Rhys Mogg dressed as the Pope or as Adolf Hitler in the bunker shouting at everyone. To pretend that the Guardian wouldn't come out in favour of Jacob Rhys Mogg against Jeremy Corbyn is laughable. I don't think they would support Rhys Mogg. I think they would. Mm-mm. In 2022, they would. No, no way. Yep. They will. No, they'll do exactly the same thing as they did this time, which is spend um, six years demolishing Corbyn and Corbynites and Corbynism generally, and then support him at the election. They'll do that. Did they support him in the last election? They did. did they? Grudgingly. Okay. But like, like, it didn't matter by yeah. that point because if you're looking for their stance, it was yeah. 10,000 articles against one four. Do you yeah. know what I mean? One like editorial four. Yeah. The general election campaign had been carnage. Rhys Mogg opted for big public rallies under the banner Back to British Values. You know, those big public rallies. Everyone wants to go and see Jacob Rhys Mogg speak. His thin, reedy voice. His affected, received pronunciation. What is there not to love? <laughs> it's, it's that misunderstanding of um, the when Jeremy Corbyn... Because he's not doing rallies at the moment, is he, Corbyn? But when he was, of why people came well, he's still doing. Well, he's still going around doing... Um, there's a Scottish conference, Labour Scottish conference on at the moment, I think, or mm. there's just been. Mm. Um, so it's generally kind of institution season. Because, mm. you know, it's cold. I can't go outside. Yeah, exactly. Also, the idea that... Um, Jacob Rees-Mogg opted for big public rallies. No, he wouldn't. It's like, well, that, it's the whole idea that there's options about ways to market politicians yeah. and that if you hold a big public rally, naturally it will be a big public rally. Mm. Owen Smith, when he was campaigning for leader, yeah. turned up in wherever it was, outside that ice cream van, and there were like 30 supporters there. Yeah. You don't just choose to do a big public yeah. rally. The reason most politicians don't do them is because there's no politicians who are popular enough to make it in any way effective. Yeah. It's not just one option out of the bag. Yeah. Oh. In Western Supermare, 30 masked protesters, some in Corbyn t-shirts, were arrested after a major disturbance. 
In Grimsby, 45 protesters were arrested after smashing up a JRM rally. Oh, God. If it got to the point of there being fucking Jacob Rees-Mogg fucking rallies, there'd be more than just occasional smashing up things. There'd be like... Because you know what Jacob Rees-Mogg would be like. It would Mm. be full-on race hate Mm. stuff. It would be more than just a couple of, like... People in hoodies smashing things up. <laughs> also, um, Western Supermare and Grimsby. <laughs> yeah. Western Supermare and Grimsby in the centre-left, centrist imagination. Yeah. The Labour opposition's attempts to move the narrative onto solid policy areas, such as housing, animal welfare or cuts to local councils, were drowned out by the Mogmentum. See, I think it's believable... That by 2022, Mogmentum might have gotten their act together enough to stop fighting with themselves on their one Twitter account. Mm-hmm. But the idea that they could ever increase his own vote share in his own constituency is ludicrous. It's that thing if they think it's the cargo cult thing. Hmm. They just they just think you can copy. You can just do it. I'm you just can just have a rally. You can just have a momentum. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, because all you, you needed, all you needed to do was choose to do it, and we didn't choose to do yeah. it. So that's why we're not doing yeah. it. Yeah, we'll, and we'll do it this time. I'll do the posters, and you do the soundtrack. Um, someone needs to come up with a Jacob Rees Mogg song. Um, um, we need to book the, we the need lines to, of the horse vessel, but yeah. not as German. We need to book the bands for the festival mm. that we're going to hold. That's yeah. going to have everybody there. That will really push Rees Mogg over the edge. Mm. It's like nineteen and Gregorian, nineteen Gregorian chanters and Morrissey. <laughs> um, it's just a, it, it's a really fucking de- it's a really <laughs> for the kids <laughs> it's really fucking depressing yeah the Labour opposition's attempts to move the narrative onto solid policy areas and it's like your whole efforts during the Corbyn period have been to underplay mm. their attempt to move things onto people that things that matter to people because according to you these issues have been settled and all they need is the right flavour. Because everything's cultural, everything's local. Mm. So actually, people are far more angry about, say, like parking or Mm. showing the Union Jack than they are about their kids' housing. How have the last six months not proved to you that that, that's not true? Mm. It's... By 2022, the 72-year-old Corbyn had looked like old news, about as new and exciting as a Nutribullet. Whatever political buzz he had just neutral bullet. Oh yeah, all those fucking coffee drinking, fad following, fucking public sector working <laughs> Labour supporters, and my go-to reference is a neutral bullet. <laughs> you're kind of you could, you're exposing yourself here, progressive. Mm. Mm. Whatever political buzz he had generated five years earlier had gone the sorry way of Clegmania or Millie fandom. It's way different to both of those. Yes. Clegmania was you! Yes. <laughs> Clegmania was you and the media class. Yeah. Miller fandom was a couple of students. Mm. Labour didn't even take that on. No, thought it was odd. Yeah. Rhys Mogg's populist campaign saw a six point right populist campaign saw a six point rise in six point rise in turnout and the defeat of Labour in thirty five seats in solidly working class former industrial areas. He hoovered up United UKIP party votes record numbers of the over 65 and swathes of younger people who thought it might be a bit of a laugh like voting for dogats on Britain's Got Talent. How fucking dare you? I, this is serious. I'm not like, I'm actually really yeah. fucking angry. How dare you 
be a political organisation that claims to really love the democratic process and mm. honour democracy so much so that you're willing to go to war and impose it on other countries mm. and then act like... Perhaps the reason why people didn't vote for Labour is because there's people like this who think that, oh, voting... People just think voting's like Britain's Got Talent. Mm. They think they're fucking idiots mm. who are swayed by Roman Catholicism yep. but not actual kind of solid policy areas. Not by material... It, not by the things that they see in front yeah. of them every day. Yeah. Oh, it's um, I do. I do think it's quite likely that Jacob Rees-Mogg could win over the make-believe Welshman in Bloodworth's head mm-hmm. because of the fire it's an in important his belly th- and his silver tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but that is literally the only kind of working class person that is going to be won over by Jacob Rees-Mogg. Going, not now, Sextus. Papa's talking. <laughs> On that sunny and what day. What do they think his rallies are going to be? It's going to be rights for whites. It's going to be that kind of shit. But, you know, poshed up a bit. What, con- what content can Jacob Rees Mogg put out that hasn't already been put out by Theresa May? It's yeah. the question here. What is he doing? He doesn't outline, he outlines a kind of like. Almost like che- it's their cheating to win thing. Mm. It's like, oh well, anyone can mention the mention the patriotism mm. and win. It's like saying anyone can promise um, welfare like increases and a, a solid welfare state, and that's somehow bribing voters. Mm. And they kind of think it works in reverse with the Union Jack. Yeah. Well, also, well, yeah. What is he going to offer more um, different to Theresa May? He offers he hates gays more, mm. a lot more. And he has a problem with women more. He reminds people of a Wodehouse novel they might have once read and forgotten. Yeah. Like, that is, that's an important part of his appeal, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But his appeal is way overstated. Oh, this yeah. is not a Nigel Farage situation. No, no. This is not a situation where you have two centrist, um, po- uh, like, prime minister and opposition and deputy prime minister mm. at the head of everything. And here comes this rank outsider mm. who appeals to you in the same way like a blue comedian or like a politically incorrect comedian might appeal to yeah. you in that he's like a, a release valve. Mm. Jacob Rees-Mogg isn't that. He no. has never been that. No. I, I do not understand what their fascination with him is in that regard. I um, know why I th- they find him fascinating, think, but why they regard him as like a power, he's um, really fucking not. It's because he's the polar opposite of Jeremy Corbyn. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's that. They literally think it'll work. Are the, Eng- the, are the, the English the so like used to genuflection yeah. when uh, when um, yes. approached by someone like this yes. with this kind of heredity? Are they that scared I'm, of the nobleman run, riding into town and fucking mowing them all down? I'm pretty certain that there is a knee-jerk reaction in the soul, in the genetics of mm. most English people from the South to grab that forelock and tug it hard. Yeah. Um, but it's nowhere near as much as they make out. Like I'm sorry, in the age of the in the age of the internet, it's not. He is a meme, mm. and he's not powerful because of that. No, I mean, he's he's just not. No. I don't like. There are obviously crazy people who say that he's like he's the strong leader. As far as I'm aware, he's never he's never demonstrated anything approaching to like political strength in that weird way that he people couldn't even get on a boat today. Yeah, and you saw how many people turned up for that. Fuck all. Yeah. Um, on that sunny day in May 2022, Rhys Mogg entered Downing Street with his manifesto pledges ringing in his ears. So here's what he did. Rights for whites. Well, hold white on. Britain policy. Abol- Section 28, but with guns. 
Abolition of the Department for International Development on day one. Oh, oh yeah, people love that. People say that, like, people say that a lot. Like, um, that's a right wing thing that yeah, oh, they'll talk about everybody, every, skills and that yeah, kind of everybody problem. will really love that. But like, I again don't think that's anywhere near at the top of people's priorities. No. In the same way that people always complain about the small things when they're asked, mm. but vote on the big things when they go in. Mm. Um, uh, abolition of the Department for International Development on day one. Ninety percent of the international aid budget reallocated to deprived parts of the UK. So that's zero point seven of the government's budget. Yeah. That's nothing. In fact, that's less because it's ninety percent of zero point seven. So it's less than that. Yeah. A new business charter with laws encouraging zero-hour contracts and a ban on strikes in key sectors of the economies economy, like the railways and the fire service. This is what progress want, huh? This is literally what progress want. Well, that's supposed to make him popular. Yeah. <laughs> everybody love everybody loves the zero hour contracts very nostalgic very sentimental about yeah. the old days of being sent down a mine for 40 hours and then made redundant mm. very nostalgic there's definitely not an entire culture in old post industrial towns that they've entirely been taken advantage of um, by um capital in this country bloodworth was making out today that the the difference between um people who work in amazon now mm-hmm. and um coal mines in days gone by mm. is lack of like pride in their in their job and like people what? who worked in coal mines they'd like when people who worked in Amazon they would say like I, I work for Amazon whereas people who worked down a coal mine so, like, were like I'm a collier and the thing is that's bullshit my dad was a coal miner um, and he said he, was, he said he worked in a he that's... said he worked in a coal mine um and it's this weird notion of you know that kind of it's a strain. It's a strain within um, left wing politics. I think it's I think it's called workerism, hmm. where um, you lionise um, and obviously genderise hmm. the labour of things that have gone in the past. Like um, you labour, you valorise like independent craftsmen and people who made things and, yeah. and things like that above and beyond their location within capitalism. Like yeah. there's a good. Under the capitalist system, there's a good that comes from working with your hands or working physically, yeah. and that's like it's the Frank Zabaka thing. The, yeah, yeah, but it's but it's a country. very it's a very gendered path to take because yeah. women are never included in yeah. the pride that they take in yeah. that kind of thing, and it's very. Um, I mean, you know, there's a certain racial element to it as well. Yeah, um, because let's face it, people of color in this country are the most likely people to work with their hands in factories. Yeah, and you know. If they take pride out of it or not, it's not something to base a socialist movement on, is what I'm saying. Um, So he continues, um, an immediate end to Britain's role in climate change treaties, (laughs) unshackling British industry. By 2022, we'll be having a very different opinion on climate change when his constituency doesn't exist anymore because it's been reclaimed by the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Compulsory Latin in schools. Always a vote winner. Always a vote winner. People love that. Compulsory Latin. Yeah. Ripping up the Human Rights Act, a new bank holiday to celebrate the monarchy, dark dark hints about restrictions on abortion, same-sex marriage, and a new moral basis for sex and relationship education. This is supposed to be the thing that has given him a six-point lead. Work harder, and your daughter's going to be criminalised for getting an abortion. (laughs) Your daughter's going to prison, and she has no opportunity, and she has even less of an opportunity to get her own house. The idea this that... is supposed to be how you win an election. Oh God, it's not. It's te- untethered from reality. Yeah, it's um a thing I've noticed. Like, there's 
woman on LBC, Sheila Fogarty, who's Catholic, who talks about abortion quite a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's a strain of thought amongst the media class that the abortion debate is a thing that is something in this country. Yeah. And it isn't. Mm. Because if you try to roll... Like, it's hard to it's hard enough to get an abortion in this country. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I talked about it before on the podcast, mm-hmm. but it is, it is hard. I remember it. It's hard. Um, the There is not a single woman I know... Who would say, yeah, it should be harder. Yeah, none. Not a single one. No. Um, no, not at all. And there's de- and again, not a single man I know either. No. Um, the idea that it would ever be up for debate, that it would ever be something that would win you... I think it's, I don't think it would ever win you a vote, because the kind of person that was going to vote for the Tories, um, the kind of person that wants to do stuff with abortion, was always going to vote Tory anyway. Yeah. They they're, are. They're not, like, it's not going to win you votes from the swing Labour voters in the northern towns. Ah, uh, yes. Those well-known socially conservative, like Northern Labour voters who are old and out of, like I'm sorry, they are not only are they declining, yeah. um, which is something that this completely fails to kind of yeah. approach. So by 2022, most of Jacob Rees-Mogg's base is dead. Yeah, and also, is there like a secret Catholic rump of voters in this country that I'm unaware of? I know that only vote based on the religion of their. I know that there are. There are probably a lot more serious, I don't know how to put this, everyday Catholics who accommodate their religion within their daily life than there are everyday Protestants who accommodate their religion because I feel like a lot more Protestants... Yeah, but all those Polish Catholics are being kicked out by Jacob (laughs) Rees-Mogg. No, but I mean, you're talking about like old Irish Catholics in Liverpool and Birmingham and things like that, like who don't really, like moderate religious people. Mm. You know Mm. what I mean? I guess there is that, but I don't. I just don't see it taking a a huge role in like it, like just social conservatism generally. Yeah, is not like it kind of went out with with Major mm. and with Blair. Like, mm. and it's not because oh people are scared because it's not cool to be against abortion. I think genuinely people appreciate it as a it it, offer, a right. it offers a material good and is a and people see it as a right as you yeah. say yeah, um, and of course his last policy, tearing up Theresa May's Brexit agreement, which he had endlessly denounced as Brino, Brexit in name only, in favour of full-throated independence as a maritime trading nation and the birthplace of parliamentary democracy. Well, how do you mark it? Declares straight away that he's unifying Ireland. <coughs> Within yeah. 15 minutes, he's killed by the new generation of the IRA. Yeah. Even, and that's the end. <laughs> even Boris Johnson, sulking in the doldrums after his defeat in the Tory leadership contest just before the election, <laughs> publicly endorsed Rees Mogg and his alt right policies. Alt right policies, no. Hmm. Nothing you've mentioned here mentions anything about race. Hmm. Um, it impinges on gender in far, as far as social conservatism impacts women, but. They're, he's not all right. Like I, I, that's a, that's a dumb thing that they've managed to because they look at Trump and they say, well, yeah. he was propelled by the alt right, and it's like that's also false. Mm. He was propelled by traditional conservatives, middle class bourgeois conservatives, mm. small business owners, people like that. They might be Rhys Mogg's natural constituency, but I'm gonna guess his whole thing about unshackling British industry mm. and becoming a maritime trading nation, and the fact that he was a hedge manager, mm. hedge fund manager, and is close to the city of London. Small business people either don't count for that or don't like it because those big businesses put them out of business. He doesn't appeal in that way. Trump said, we're going to bring um, jobs back and we're going to bring small businesses back. 
of course he was lying, yeah. but he made that say the lie. he made that appeal directly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not understanding how you how you um how you hoodwink someone. <laughs> um this is the last paragraph. In modern politics, we crave authenticity, and Rees Mogg is an authentically religious right wing reactionary. We desire <laughs> novelty, and Rees Mogg is distinctly different from all that has gone before, at least since the Earl of Derby. Who's, we elevate. Who's poli- the Earl of Derby? Uh, In what way is he different uh, to Churchill? Brain. He's different to Churchill because Churchill, Churchill had more to him. I'm yeah, sorry, you know he I mean? actually no, his, did. Yeah, like, but I'm, you know what I mean. His views and his his views and his upbringing and his his rarefied air is the same as fucking Churchill. No, because Churchill had that different thing. He was an aristocrat who came down. Oh, Rhys yeah. Mogg is supposedly a normal politician who is elevated mm. by his aristocratic birth. If you're looking at some kind of weird structure of feeling yeah. around the way people approach aristocrats, when Churchill came in, the government was all aristocrats, mm. and after Churchill, it was all aristocrats. Mm. They were all sirs and lords and duchies and whatever mm. he is a rarity which is why they do say he is a novelty i will yeah. give them that but the idea that that's a, a an election winning machine yeah is is fucking nonsense i'll, I'll just finish this up and I'll, okay we elevate political celebrity above talent or aptitude <laughs> we value slogans and chanting above all that dull stuff about a proven track record or workable policies progress is so angry about the old jeremy corbyn chant oh, they're, they're so angry really they're never gonna get they have it. never created something as good as that in yeah. a thousand hours of think tanks and yeah. focus groups they've spent so much never money created so much money anything that's why like, that bloke's not giving them money they've never generated anything like the genuine enthusiasm people mm. have for corbyn so we should not be surprised at the irresistible <laughs> rise of Rhys Mogg, no less bizarre than Trump, or unlikely than Emmanuel Macron. Oh. Something is stirring people, and it will take more than another crappy post on Squawkbox to squash it. That's the fair. <laughs> where I'm going to finish. Can I just say, like, the view that this, again, ostensibly centre-left think tank has of the British public... Yeah. of left-wing activists, of the Labour Party, which it supports, yeah. is dire. Yeah. We're short attention span, naturally socially conservative, economically liberal, complicit in our own um, exploitation and slavery, yeah. and that's the way we like it. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, craving authenticity. There's nothing... Like, he's authentic in that he is that thing. That's Mm. not what authenticity does. Authenticity, by nature, is constructed. I don't think there's... I think he's become a little more constructed over time as he's realised what people think about him. But he hasn't changed his game plan massively. He hasn't changed his public persona massively. He comes out as more right-wing and more nationalistic in a fucking field, a fucking sea Mm. of right-wing, nationalistic, <laughs> like, patriotic, union-jack-waving mm. people. He doesn't do it any more believably than anyone else. Mm. But the main question I want to ask is, right, if this is ha- if these are the people, the, the socially conservative people in Grimsby, if Jacob Rees-Mogg, uh, an abortion-hating, kind of vaguely racist um, City of London hedge fund manager is what people want, why are you supporting the Labour Party? If if your idea is to you need to tailor a message to the people as they exist, which is yeah. Blairism, right? Yeah. You need to not change the people, yeah. not elevate them, not try and like bring people on board, mm. but you sit them there as like a lump, mm. 
mm. and you project your message at them. And if it's the right message, they'll vote for you. Yeah. If that's how you view the British electorate, mm. why the fuck are you progress? Yeah. Why the fuck are you even trying to be anything? Why don't you go and be a think tank based around Jacob Rees-Mogg? If that's what you actually thought, the mm. logical conclusion mm. is that you become right wing. Mm. I, I think the join the Tories thing is... No, actually, I completely agree with every time somebody says join the Tories yeah. because it's usually fucking completely accurate. Progress, mm. join the Tories. Yeah. Seriously, join the Tories because that is a Tory message. Mm. The country is essentially Tory and it's about existing in this kind of like depressed, um, like uh, self-pitying mm. stupor that you're the smart one who can see where all the lines are laid out and mm. no one else can. Yeah. Like... There's no looking at class there. There's no looking no. at what appeals to people. The reasons why people may have supported Corbyn. No, it was just a better marketing campaign yeah. put directed at the lump. Yeah. And it's fucking bullshit. It's disgraceful. It is. Fuck off and die, progress. <laughs> fucking join the Tories. Seriously, join the Tories because you're already there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And with that. <laughs> yeah. That's us for this week. <laughs> oh, Logan. Um, <laughs> uh, so you can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, you can follow us on w, at WDTATW underscore podcast on Twitter you can follow me at BM Bergamot and Hugh at Tanner Smashing and yeah that's it for this week bye bye, bye. <laughs>